Welcome to the Speak the Language podcast. Jordan and I are back in the studio and uh, going to cover some. Kudzu uh, Bluff has been popping as of late. We've done good the last two weeks. We've done fantastic. Before we get to that, some housekeeping items first. First and foremost, if you haven't checked out primos.com lately, there's a lot of holiday Christmas sales going on that is very much worth uh, checking out, if you ask me. Um, secondly, the Primo's Custom Mill Shop. You've heard us mention that in prior podcasts. We're mentioning it again because if you haven't checked out the Primo's Custom Mill Shop lately, you haven't checked out the Custom Mill Shop. There's new calls. There's new scenes. Uh, really need to check that out. Again, all of that is handcrafted and tuned right at our CNC shop in Brookhaven, Mississippi. A lot of cool stuff going on there. Uh, as always, the Primo's YouTube channel. Uh, do we still have classics coming on there? Yeah. Still got classics. Uh, there's old Primo shows. And um, I'm going to plan to release sometime next week. We've got some exclusive YouTube hunts. So uh, folks that are always messaging you, myself, the Primo's page, asking about when hunts are going to show up on YouTube, uh, I get giddy when we get to release stuff that's going to be YouTube exclusive. Yeah, absolutely. And this is be the first time it's ever been seen. Mm-hmm by anybody besides us youtube exclusive hunt so uh be on the lookout for that as always outdoor channel um we're always got stuff going on there is there anything else that you can think of i think we covered it all i can't we're just in that middle of deer season blunder deer season blunder so uh we're gonna do something that we don't do often um but i think it's worth us us being a Mississippi-based company, uh, us being obviously a hunting-centric country uh, company, uh, we have a very important current event going on right now that uh, I think is worth covering on this podcast. And we've had some people message in and ask that we cover this on the podcast. Uh, we don't often list off specific pieces of public ground on this podcast. In fact, we've tried to actively avoid doing that. But the nature of this incident, issue, whatever you want to call it that's going on right now, is going to require us to do so. Um, so there, the hot topic going on in Mississippi right now revolves around the Mount Mason WMA. Yep. Uh, and um, around, what's I, that? I have actually hunted there a couple of times. It's gotcha. Cool place. Yeah. Um, and so here's here's the way that we're going to handle this. First thing I'm going to do is I'm just going to list off to y'all the facts of what's going on, just the facts. Um, and then at the end of this, I'm going to share my opinion. Jordan's going to weigh in on it. And uh, But first and foremost, these are the facts. So currently going on, there is a proposed rule change that has been proposed by the Mississippi Department of Wildlife, Fisheries, and Parks. Um, and it entails Mount Mason WMA, specifically an area called the McIntyre Scatters. I think to fully understand what's going on here, you need to understand what the McIntyre Scatters is or what the McIntyre Scatters are. I don't know what the correct way is to say that. But anyhow, um, so the McIntyre Scatters is a 500-plus acre area of wetlands um, that could be defined as very important to waterfowl habitat in the state of Mississippi. Yeah, I mean, it's a, like a green tree type, tupelo gum breaks and that kind of so, sort of thing. It's just lowlands. Yes, and has been a a 
well-used area for waterfowl simply because the good lord put it there yeah. you know th- this this has been the the scatters the mcintyre scatters is a place that ducks frequented and used the habitat since before duck hunting was popular mm-hmm. you know um and so the reason that the mcintyre scatters is important to this story is because part of the scatters lie in mount mason wma and part of the scatters lie in private land um, and so the proposed rule, uh, I don't know if it's worth getting into why it got proposed, but like, again, these, these are the facts, the proposed rule, I'm going to read it straight off. Uh, this is straight off the MDWFP website. Um, so I'm just going to read it. This is straight off the website. The WMA boundary lines and the McIntyre scatters are marked lands adjacent to the WMA are privately owned lands. Hunters are cautioned to stay on the WMA side of the posted boundary and not trespass onto adjoining private lands. Crossing onto private lands to include floating past the marked boundary lines in a boat or floating in other hunting blind or apparatus may subject the hunter to criminal liability for trespass. Additionally, placement of stands, blinds, or other hunting positions, apparatus on or near the boundary line may place the hunter within shotgun range of hunters on an adjacent private property. Therefore, and it's highlighted on the website because this is the, the proposed change, therefore, hunters should set their hunting positions a safe distance. That's crossed out. I'm not sure exactly why, but it's a safe distance. No closer than 100 yards from the westernmost marked boundary line of the scatters. Um kind of put this in perspective it's not like dry ground this is wetlands mm-hmm. that's water this time of year mm-hmm. yeah this is uh it, it's wetlands it, it is uh very i would say commonly used by it, people that access those public lands it is duck hunted a lot it is duck hunted a whole whole lot um and so basically it, to my understanding, and like I said, if you want to find more information on this, you can find it on the MDWFP website. You can find it on MDWFP Facebook. You can pretty much, if right now, if you Google or go on your search bar on Facebook and type in Mount Mason WMA, you'll be able to find um, official literature on this issue, and you'll be able to find several forums and Facebook posts, as you can imagine, because this has become a very hot topic issue. Uh, but in in basic terms, from what I read, what this is going to do is it's going to create in the in this particular area, uh, it's going to make a hundred yard buffer off that property line only on the uh, WMA side. Doesn't mm-hmm. intrude on the private land at all. But it's going to make it where there's that a hundred yard buffer strip where no hunting is allowed. So putting this in like redneck terms for me to understand. The private land, you can hunt all the way up to the line. Yes. Public land, you got to stay a hundred yards from the line. From the line. So, total loss, you're you're losing forty-eight acres of hunting availability. On with that hundred-yard stretch that runs down the property line. Mm-hmm. As it's proposed right now, with this specific right law proposed rule change, nothing's been set yet. No, it doesn't sound like a huge issue. Well. Hey, let me let me stop you right here. Yeah. So f- what we've read off to you so far is the facts yep. of what's been going on. 
now I'm going to share with you, Jordan, as well, in our best articulate articulated way, our opinion on the matter. So you can continue. Yeah, I mean, I was just. It doesn't sound like a huge issue. Like, what's it matter? Mm-hmm. You know, if you can't hunt a hundred yards from a boundary line. Yeah. Well, in my opinion, the issue is, is this going to open a door for this to happen a lot of places? Mm-hmm. And I don't know. You know, that's kind of the, yeah. what we're concerned about here is if this passes, what's to stop it from happening everywhere? Yeah. And you're not like, if you do that, the whole surrounding, just that one WMA, I don't know how far that line is going to create 48 acres but if you put a line around the whole place saying you can't hunt that takes a good many acreage out for access to everyone my here's my take on it uh my opinion on it is this is i think a property line is a property line Mm -hmm. from what i've read and looked at so far the reason for this proposed change had nothing to do with them saying hey we're having people trespass on us a lot hadn't seen any of that uh i saw safety brought up in the argument but initially from the research that i've done there's there's a a video you can watch in the 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 meeting i think when this was first brought up uh and i think it's it's moved to where safety is the main concern now for my again this is my opinion um so if safety i mean there's no and the, from what i've seen there hasn't been any big safety there hasn't been any big incidents right no where, accidents, where, no accidents where safety's been the issue so in my opinion i think a property line is a property line mm-hmm. and if you're not worried about trespass then you don't need a hundred yard buffer strip uh i think this is an incredibly dangerous slippery slope to set a precedent on yeah uh that's my whole concern with it. It's not so much that it's just happening right there at that particular spot. It's just that it could be happening yeah. a lot more places down the road. And who's to say this? We're we're, we're spitballing here, but mm-hmm. if you can create a 100-yard buffer on a public access, who's to say that that private landowner, a year from now, two years from now, they provide propose a law where you're a private landowner but you can't access your all, all your place because you have a buffer area in between the lines yeah I, there's there's it's, it's give and take here i mean you can yeah. look at it from a private landowner and a public land user and potentially it could hurt everyone yeah i i, I don't like it i don't frankly i don't like it for a lot of reasons um because it, now like i said i don't i don't primarily hunt public land now i still hunt it uh there was a time when i was in high school and college if i was waterfowl hunting uh public land was pretty much all i used so uh i can speak on both sides of the coin because i've hunted private land primarily i've hunted public land primarily i've talked to people who i won't give up their names because i don't they didn't ask me to but i don't think they'd wanted to i've, I've talked to people about this issue that i respect their opinions um both that hunt private land both that hunt public land some of them hunt this mile mason wma that's under question a lot um the people that use my mason a lot they obviously they don't like that rule because to them they feel like it's set unfairly because like one i don't think it should be done at all however if you were going to make 
a buffer strip, then I feel like you would at least make it fair, make it 50 yards on both sides. Right. But I, I don't think there should be one at all. But the fact that it's all being infringed on the public land itself, yeah, then the, I do not like if that. If you do it on both sides, then the argument comes across, well, this guy pays for this land. You know, why can't he have his access? Well, Same with us. The public pays for that yeah. public land. You yeah. know, that's where that's that's tax dollars and hunting licenses and duck stamps. And, well, I don't know if duck stamps goes to that. I may be speaking out of turn there. Um, but, yeah, the public pays for that public land. It, it, it is a my main argument with it. Uh, just just bottom line what I dislike about it most we, we've discovered or we've discussed already is that is an incredibly dangerous precedent and honestly I'm surprised that a rule like that even made it on the discussion table like that's shocking to me yeah um, Lord willing uh, it will get carried out in the right manner uh, we can put some links up to where because as of right now the best way that I know for anybody, the public, to weigh in on this is to go to the MDWFP website and leave a comment. And you can do that uh, under there's a rules and regulus re, rules and regulations page, and then there's a proposed tab. And right now, in the proposed tab, there's only one rule being proposed, and it's that one. Yeah, what, and you can go in there and comment whatever your thoughts are yeah, on this. You go in there, you click on that one. Um, and you can read over the part that's in question is highlighted, but then when it says there's another tab that says comment on proposed rules, you take to that page, uh, it says select proposed rule, which again, there's only one, so you click that one, they ask you to put your email address, then they ask you to leave your comments, you can write an essay in there, you can write I don't like this rule, you can write I like this rule, you can write whatever you want, yeah. uh, and then you can leave, leave your name and your phone number and there's more optional information, but I highly encourage everyone listening, uh, whether you're for or against, to to and go. It does not matter if you live in Mississippi. It does not. Because whether you live in New York or Washington State or Mississippi or Louisiana, you all we all have the same rights to hunt this piece of land. Indeed, and that's that's the thing, man. Like, say this got say this did go through. Again, in my opinion, Lord willing, it does not. But if it did go through. This could it could potentially snowball where it's not just affecting Mississippi. Yeah, this could come down the line where it's talking about a piece of public ground in Louisiana, and they're going, "Well, Mississippi did this; those private landowners got this protection." And again, there, this is such a subject like this that gets brought up. You have so many different rabbit holes you can dive dive down. I don't. One thing I would say is this does not need to turn into an issue where it's like. Oh, private landowners and public landowners like this needs to be it's a united front sign of thing i'm not trying to make enemies out of private landowners that's yeah. not like private landowners are very very valuable there's there's several private landowners that uh harbor a lot of valuable valuable habitat and they take care of that everyone has their role well here's uh like my opinion on it mm -hmm. me and you both have hunted places private on private land that butted up to public access mm-hmm I have never once thought, well, they don't need to hunt close to the line. Yeah. I usually back off the line myself because I realize that public hunters, they realize they probably want to get close to private lands they can, just being honest about it. Yeah. Because for whatever reason, probably think it's better. Yeah. And uh, that's just something I've never even thought about. It's like they don't have any right to be over 15 or 20 yards over the line. Now, it can be aggravating. I can see that. Yeah. But they have a right to be there. Yeah. 
They, they, they definitely have a right to be there. The same way I was looking at a piece of property last year, and uh, it butted up to public land, and the private owners had a stand on their side of the line, but looking over into public land. Mm -hmm. Now, yes, that private landowner, as long as they're doing it legally, I guess they can shoot over into that public land. Yeah. I don't know. But mm -hmm. as far as I know, they can. Yeah. But they have the right to do that. Yeah. In the same way with public hunters. If you feel the need that you want to hunt right on the line, as long as you're on the right side of it, that is your access. That is your land. Like, uh, it's like I said, it's, you don't need a buffer strip. Yep. You have a property line that tells you. And now you've got onyx to tell you exactly where you are yeah yeah there's no reason in the but that that's the whole thing is like nothing that i've read so far trespassing has not come to the to be part of the problem of this issue right that i've seen um if i'm wrong on that you know out there listening feel free to tell me you know like i'm not i'm not saying i'm absolutely correct on everything i'm just looking at like I said, we covered the facts, and then I'm just basing my opinion off what I know so far and, and how I see things. So, um, But, yeah, uh, we'll, I'll leave it at this, and then we'll move on to different different subjects. Uh, I do think if you don't know about this, I highly suggest you at least educate yourself on it a little bit. Um, and then I do I, I implore all of you to, to act on it. Yeah. you know leave your comments leave your they, they, i mean it's one of those deals where uh your comments are heard so uh that's that and i want to say i read somewhere that they were going to reevaluate everything on the 15th i think it's the 16th 16th i think so they were going to look at all the comments and see what the public said had to say about it yeah. so i would act as soon as you hear this yes because this podcast will be out on monday december 13th and the 16th is that thursday so yes time is of the essence mm -hmm. and like i said we will at least on uh my page will you'll be able to find the link and, and everything where you need to go to educate yourself and to comment on it yep. yep but as far as news going on in our state at least and news going on within the country man that's a that's been a hot topic this week i've been seeing it everywhere everywhere you can't rightfully so though mm -hmm. it is something that we take dearly that is potentially getting taken away yeah bring up something like that it's like kicking an anthill this podcast is brought to you by on x hunt the app that has completely changed the game and helps you increase your success rates every time you go out in the field it's something that we legitimately use every single day doesn't matter if we're talking elk hunting deer hunting duck hunting upland hunting bass fishing it does not matter we don't go a day without using onyx hunt public and private land boundaries the new crop filters the new 3d mapping system there is not a time where onyx cannot help you and they update it all the time which helps you increase your success rates so go and check out the onyx hunt app today use the promo code primos20 to get 20 percent off your onyx hunt membership Let's move on to cheerier topics. I feel like I feel like we did that one justice. On to the kudzu news. On to your yeah your, your weekly breakdown of kudzu bluff activity. It is picking up by the day. It is picking up by the now, day. Now the weather has not been picking up at all. <laughs> it has been very very not good. Not good at all. Winds were variable and all over the place, swirling from left to right, up and down. But the deer 
have not been moving. The deer, well, one deer moved really well. They moved for you and Brad. Yeah. One did. One did. So you got to hear, it's like you could write a saga about this one eight point that we were after. (laughs) Yeah, I was beginning to think this was Rocker Jr. (laughs) Like everybody's going after him, and every time we zig, he was zagging. You know what else this is the story of? And like it's imagine imagine what the quest for rocker would have been had we had cell cameras at that time Ooh. do you know what i mean he probably would have made his maker a lot earlier do you think yeah you think 100 yeah i do too 100 percent. yes he would have met his maker way earlier because mm-hmm. uh, with rocker we had to go check the camera if he had been in there you're like well he was in there four days ago yeah it, it really I, I think about that a lot because a lot of that deer the saga of this eight point uh has to do with that cell camera man the cell camera's what killed him yeah i mean and figuring out well the cell camera's what killed him all right let's back up let's back up we we you, you and i are bad about i know we roll into, right into well it. we roll into stories and we talk we leave out details like the listeners already know what's going on and there's like un so this particular food plot at Kudzu Bluff is where we started getting pictures of this particular eight point. And he was identified right off the bat as like, yeah, this is a deer that anyone of us would would hunt, you know. Uh, and we started getting pictures of him in the daylight. But I remember that, that first week, like, we couldn't go in there for the longest time because the wind was just wrong, mm-hmm. which we talk about that all the time. It can be over the top tempting we've been having pictures of this sucker since october yeah yeah that's true that's true like and he's been daylighter a lot mm-hmm. like very uncommon for a mississippi deer yeah we did, we were like is this real like what's going on here like the most patternable deer i've seen in a while yeah that we had trouble hunting and we just couldn't we just couldn't line it up you know yeah. uh i think brad and troy went in there after him a few times and couldn't me and you hunted him we did uh back well, in it, october it, it was a six point coming in there that had your desire more so than this deer but it was the same spot yes yeah. this is true uh so fast forward to the week uh the week prior to us killing him um brad and i came back into camp after a morning hunt and we were talking to you and to troy and we were discussing afternoon plans and looking at the weather and I don't remember, you and Brad were talking, and Brad was like, I think if we go in there with climbers, we we can get in there and make that wind work and, and have a shot at him. And so um, this is where, again, the kudzu bluff thing comes into play because we had to walk down this road, and then before even making it to the food plot, probably 80 yards from the food plot, we dip off into the bluff. And we have to drop down, do some, I mean, like we had to do some side healing that we do during elk season the mm-hmm. stuff so steep i mean you know what that drop off is like and it's hard to do with a stand on your back it's hard to do with that and then like everyone especially hunters in the southeast will understand this like how common i don't know how common a uh rubber boot is but at least the ones that the, my lacrosse rubber boots that i was wearing they do great on keeping my feet dry they do not do so great on grabbing the earth beneath me on steep stuff which that's not what they're designed for did you fall down no but i was <laughs> slipping and sliding 
Yeah, I mean, you just don't get much traction. I was like, man, I need my you know my uh, Kenetrex on. I, I started I started wearing hiking boots up there most of the time. Yeah. Well, anyhow, so we we had to go down and then come back up to get to this tree that Brad has picked out to climb. Um, and granted, he was right for the wind. It was like the best tree to pick. However, this tree was like a toothpick, man. And you put both of us up at the top of that thing. It just and it was windy that day. That thing. Swaying. It looked like one of those inflatable men thing you see at a car <laughs> dealership on one of their mega cells you know that thing that just blows up and down this yeah uh so we get up there and uh like before we dove down into that bottom we saw this acorn tree that the deer were just hammering the water oak and brad was like gosh i mighty look at all the sign under that tree i was like yeah that is pretty strong anyhow that'll come into play later why why put in that detail you are doing what they call in english class foreshadowing shadowing foreshadowing yeah. that is correct yeah yeah that is a uh you rebound strongly that that covers up for that thing you did a few weeks ago and you said seven times eight was 150 i did where you lack in math you you're strong in english yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> uh anyhow so we're up in this tree. We've seen some does. We've seen a baker's dozen of hen turkeys. And I look over and I, I catch a glint. So the acorn tree, I can't see very well because there's a, there's a couple of beech trees and there's a lot of beech trees in there. But these particular beech trees, um, leaves in there turn this really brown reddish color, but they hang on. They don't fall. They, they, they hang on a lot longer than a lot of their leaves do. And this particular beech tree is blocking a good bit of my view towards that acorn tree so i can see there's a deer over there and i kind of lean over actually reach and grab brad's binoculars and look and uh it's a small buck it's like a two and a half year old eight point but i'm like all right you know i need to look over there i know i can pick one out if it's over there fast forward again i catch movement over there again and without even binoculars i just kind of lean over try to peek through those leaves and i automatically i go that's a bigger deer mm -hmm. i'm like that's probably and so I watch him. I tell Brad he's over there. Brad Brad can't see him at all from where from where he's at. Can't see any of that. Uh, turns out it is that deer. And that particular night, he went to town under that acorn tree and never made it into the food plot. You know what the, the interesting fact about mm. y'all's hunt to me was? Was normally there's two big... Uh, white oak acorn trees there on mm -hmm. that plot mm -hmm. and they're raining down too mm -hmm. a lot of acorns mm -hmm. normally deer prefer those over water oak because of the acid content in them mm -hmm. but not so much on this particular tree mm -hmm. they're preferring the water oak over the white oak which is int very interesting to me um and isn't the water oak typically falls a little bit later than a white oak is that yeah kinda, yeah it just varies on tree well this one i will say this like the 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 white oak there seemed to be a lot less meat left on the bone as far as acorns on the ground so right. that may have had something gotcha. to do with it yep and it appeared that that water oak had just started going here's here's the goods here's the candy right yeah okay uh, well, that makes more sense it, it, right because i hadn't been in there for like a week or two and last time I was in there, that right, that white oak was just it was loaded, loaded, yeah. like you could step on the ground, popping acorns. Well, yeah, well, to to clear your point up for you, it looked like it had about played out. Gotcha. And so they had moved to that that water oak tree, which another 
tip while we're talking to it you hear us talking about all this oak stuff i am no expert by any stretch of the imagination but it is a good thing to have in a deer hunter's arsenal to have a somewhat functioning knowledge of different acorn trees it does it does help Mm -hmm. it helps tremendously absolutely and knowing what time of year they drop and Mm -hmm. what's the preferred species because and you take a red oak and a white oak they start dropping acorns just like a uh, i forget the southern red oak i think is what they call it or maybe a northern i can't remember but Mm -hmm. uh one they start dropping about the same time but deer prefer white way over red because the i think they call it a tenon or content it's it's acid in the acorn itself well like on the other spectrum of that everyone how many deer hunters you know that walk up under a sawtooth tree and go oh man and then what they don't know is is usually that sawtooth usually that sawtooth played out before october one even comes around yeah they're usually dropping in august and uh that was something i we're chasing rabbit hole here but something i have heard a lot of the years like yeah i'm gonna plant me some sawtooth on my place there'll be some good deer hunting uh, you need to kind of do a little bit more research on when that saw tooth drops acorns mm-hmm. because usually they don't have any left by the time our season opens. Yeah, I mean, it's a good food source. but Very good food you're source. You're not going to hunt it. <laughs> but it's not good to actually participate in hunting over it. Mm-hmm. Um, so anyhow, uh, I watched that eight point, and then honest, like, honestly, to go back to the toothpick tree, we had a doe and a fawn come out and uh the the doe ended up spooking shocker right um and here's here's the thing that doe started blowing ran off started blowing some more and i can see the deer the buck he at the the most reaction he gave to that doe blowing and running off is first like the first or second time he did it he like pulled his head up and looked and then just went back to eating acorns i'm sure you remember back in uh in middle school and high school, there was probably some loudmouth girl there that would always be hollering and mad about something, and mm-hmm. it usually didn't boil down anything. Mm-hmm. I think those bucks get used to those does because <laughs> they act the same exact way. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's because when again Brad Brad never Brad could never see the deer at all. I mean, not like I can see bits and pieces of them. Like Brad Brad knowing the deer there, he just had to trust my word that I was looking at him. Yeah. And so when that doe started blowing, Brad was like, oh, man, you know, that buck's going to run off. He's going to get – I'm like, Brad, that deer's still eating acorns. Like, I'm looking at him. Like, he's he's going to town on this acorn tree. And so uh, we waited as long as we could, dark-wise, you know, hoping that he'd ease off. And I do not think that we bumped him coming out. Uh, it was pretty still. You know, the wind died down at night. I feel like we would have hurt him and all those dried-up leaves. So I think we got lucky there um and so then the 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 method of the hunt shifted of we need to ditch that toothpick tree and we need to try to focus on cutting him off either going to the acorn tree or killing him at it um and so then we originally started looking we went in there the next day like midday and started kind of eyeballing like if we could hang a stand or climb a tree on that road we could see the tree didn't really work out and so brad said what about one of those panel blinds um and so that's how that idea was hatched yeah stake out mm-hmm. stake out panel blind i posted it all over the story when yeah, brad killed the deer. Neat how it worked out mm-hmm. 
Uh, you actually took Jimmy in there, I think, the next morning after y'all looked at it, yeah. ho- hoping that poor Jimbo could get him a crack at a buck. Yeah. He because has. it has been one year and one day since he has fired a, a crack at a buck deer. Yeah, it's been a been a tough run for him. Um, but like, we did go in there the next morning, which honestly, too, hunting him from the road like that was the least intrusive access-wise. Man, yeah. Because we weren't even touching anywhere where the deer was crossing. I mean, you just kind of slip in there, pop up behind that thing, and sit. And just how the cookie crumbled, that he didn't come through that morning. Um, and so well, we sat there, you know, like fairly slow morning, you know. Uh, and then was it? The, I think it was the next week, actually. Monday. Yeah, yeah. It was it was Monday. Y'all, you and Jimmy hunted in there. I think uh, Thursday morning. Thursday. And then we went home for a couple of days because it got hot. Yeah. And showed back up Monday with this beautiful cold front we had for like 24 hours. Mm-hmm. Before it got hot and muggy again. Me and Jimmy were all fired up, man. It was such good weather. He was like, man, we're gonna we're gonna get one tonight. Yeah. Feel good about it. I wished he would have. And. Uh, <laughs> I did not think the wind would work for the spot where the eight point was. Yeah. And the first thing Jimmy told me when he pulled up to go hunting that afternoon was, I'll go over there and hunt that deer. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I don't think the wind will work, Jimbo. Mm-hmm. He's like, all right, all right. Well, Brad has obviously hunted over there more than I have, so he had a better idea about what the wind would do. And it was a gamble. Anyway, y'all talked about it before you ever went. It's like, we're going to try it. It may not work out. Brad said, what do you think about going in there after that buck and hunting him off the ground like we planned to? And I said, let's do it. I I mean, basically, I remember my conversation with Brad, and you were there, as I said, that buck has been consistent in daylight that we've seen on camera for so long. Mm -hmm. Part of me has to think that's not going to last forever, you know, especially with the rut coming up, you know, like who knows? We didn't know exactly which side. So we're hunting on a ridge over there. Didn't know which side he was maybe staying on. Yeah. It got lucky, I think, that he was on the right side of the wind where he was staying because he comes from both ways on camera. Man, so we, yeah, so we go in there, pop the blind up. Brad cuts a, cuts a couple of those beech tree limbs and pop, puts it up in front of the blind just to give it a little bit of break up, you know, because deer, unlike turkeys, they typically, you want to brush it in some, mm-hmm. any kind of blind. So anyhow, we're sitting there, had not seen a deer. Uh, granted, it was early. Like, it was probably somewhere between 3.30 and 4, I think. Uh, and we'd seen some hen turkeys. That's about it. And Brad and I were actually sitting there talking you know because we're sitting behind this this stakeout blind and you know, so so we're sitting you know close enough to each other where we can whisper and have a conversation and uh we saw him about the same time we didn't see him which he come up out of that bottom which steep stuff so we did not see him until he was like a step away from being out in the road but luckily like we we both saw him so we both kind of snapped into position and he comes first you know i just noticed deer because i'm looking through the material of the surround view Mm -hmm. so i just see the movement i go deer and i you know slow up ease my camera and i'm zooming in on him right when he i zoom in on him when he gets to the middle of the road and when i zoomed in on him i went oh gosh that's him i didn't say that obviously or he would have ran but that's what's going on inside my head and i'm like and then 
like he as he stepped out he kind of looked down the road our way just kind of like checking but he never gave us a second look and then bless the luck that was on our side he just looked out in that food plot i don't know if he was looking at those turkeys that were out there or what but he was just focused he was looking over that way gave time gave brad time to get his gun up and, and everything and uh shot him and uh he he was bigger i mean like we knew he was a big deer but he i mean that was there's such a nice he's deer as good as eight point as you could ask for mississippi yeah i mean he's beautiful 130 something inch eight point mm-hmm. so he's a good deer i'm well my rendition yes please share share your rendition please is uh man jimmy were sitting over there we were like maybe a half mile not even that from y'all maybe a quarter Mm -hmm. and uh really good hearing hearing distance from the gunshot y'all knew we shot as soon as we did and uh (laughs) jimmy looked at me as soon as y'all shot and said (sighs) told you i want to go there <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I felt like a jerk because I told him the wind wouldn't work. I do remember right before we left, you know, Jimmy's always like, "Where are y'all going? Where who's going where?" And Brad told him that we were going after that buck, and he he snapped his head over and looked at you. He said, "I wanted to go there," and you were like, "Uh, they're uh, they're 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 doing something different, you know? They're they're." I didn't. Oh, I, I didn't think the wind would work. I didn't. No one faulted you there. You know, and like I said, I, if had he come from the other way, he would have uh, smelled. I think there's a good chance he would have smelled us. Yeah. Yep. But uh, Jimbo was kind of mad at me the rest of the afternoon. He was happy Brad got the deer, but still. Yeah. And my, and my our man's on a dry streak. He is on dry streak. So um, somebody wish him some luck or something. Send him a horseshoe. <laughs> But all in all, like I said, it, it, the the movement kind of slowed down after that, but the weather kind of turned on us. Yeah. Um, but as far as, like, outlook for the rest of the season at Kudzu, I would say just buckle up and enjoy the ride because I think it's about to get good. Yeah, I think we got a couple good weeks of hunting ahead of us. Got a big cold front pushing down this weekend, and that's why we're doing a podcast right now. It's Friday. Yeah. And uh, got a big front coming in, and I think the next four, five, six days will be – dang okay yeah i mean it's gonna warm back up but it is that time of year where old buckzilla be running around with the women that is true that is true um but yeah like i said i'm glad that we could come to y'all with a with a good report and we actually we talked about this eight point on last week's podcast because yeah. i had a, there's a couple folks that that hit back like replied to one of the stories on primos or mine i can't remember and was like, is that the eight point y'all were talking about? Yeah. You know. Yeah. So, um, yeah, you know, the 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 more I think, the more we get to know Kudzu Bluff. Like I said, this is only year two. It takes so long to yeah. get your feet up under at a place. It we, always we do them all better than we did last year. It already feels way more rhythmic than it did last year because everyone has like a better feel, you know, for the mm-hmm. place. So, um, I think we're gonna sign off this week. Um, I don't think we left anything open ended. Um, just wish Jimmy, Jimbo, Primos luck. Yeah, wish us, wish them luck. Jimmy needs a deer. I don't know if I can hunt another week without him shooting something. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, wish Jimmy some luck. And, again, just to touch on it one more time, please take some time. Uh, we will provide the links if you need them. But go check out the deal going on at Mount Mason, the proposed rule change. Please take the time to weigh in on that. I don't care if you're from Mississippi or not. Um 
But, yeah, you got anything to add, Jordan? Nope. Cool. I hope you all enjoyed the conversation as much as we did. Um, Check you all back here next week. And, as always, thank you for listening to the Speak the Language podcast. Mm -hmm.